You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message, recorded live from our Brighton campus. This morning we are continuing our series called Walk. And so far we've uh, explored the meaning of water baptism. We've learned how God's voice gives purpose to our journey in life. And last week Tyler was sharing about the fact that we are all called to produce to reproduce, and we are commissioned by God to make disciples. So today, uh, I'm going to share about an area of our walk with God, which I believe is very much part of our human nature, and this is worship. I think it's fair to say that often there is a misconception about worship within the church. When we speak about the worship director or uh, the worship team, we usually refer to the musicians. And at church, when we have a moment of collective worship, we sing songs together. This is like one of the main ways we express worship in church. Um, But worship, well, music is great, but worship is more than just music. Music is just one facilitator that we use to worship. Um, And worship is not something that happens on a Sunday morning for a couple of hours at church, it's an everyday decision. It's a daily commitment. And as I said before, I believe that worship is part of our um, human nature. There is something inside of us that needs and wants to worship something, anything. Um, and whether we believe in God or not, people, they might not use the word worship, but we often show great admiration, great devotion toward Uh, A person or a principle, it can be a sport, a star, a team, a friend, a family, even ourselves sometimes, or even subject more abstract like um, money. Some people can worship money as well. So what is worship? In Old English, it's made of worth and shift. So it's acknowledging the worth of something. It's having great admiration or devotion towards something. In Hebrews and Greek, the languages uh, in which the Bible was written, there is a few different words used to talk about worship, but actually they all express um, and convey the same idea, which is adoration, reverence, uh, being in awe, bowing down. So it's the same atmosphere. Um, so what do we worship? I think often the object, um, we worship an object for what they are, for their identity, what they represent, rather than what they do. Uh, for example, if you worship a football team, very technically, they are not really doing anything for you in your personal life, but still you worship them for what they are. You worship their skills, their good looks, their fame, the excitement, they they make you feel part of something. But technically, they don't necessarily do anything for you. Same for money. You you worship what money represents. You worship um, the idea of money. But if you don't have it, it doesn't necessarily do anything for you in your life. Um, So, yeah, some... People though, might still worship others for what they bring to them, but usually worship is mostly centered around the identity of the person or the object you worship. 
Um, and it's the same with God. We worship God for who he is, not for what he does, but for who he is. And as Christians, we are called to worship God alone. Exodus 34:14 says, Do not worship any other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. And um, I can tell you for sure, if you know God, there is nothing as exciting as him. There is nothing as exciting as Jesus and who he is. And the heart of worship is a desire to give something to God because of who he is. And how do we know who he is? We just spend time with him. We read his word. We come to church. We share with other Christians. And that's kind of the fuel of our worship. The fuel of our worship is knowing who God is. And to grasp a bit more what um, the heart of worship is, I want to explore a passage with you that we find in Luke 7 from verse 36 to 50. And some Bible call it the sinful woman forgiven. Um, I'm not going to read it, read the whole passage in one go, but I will just start with um, a few verses and then stop being and extracting some information, ideas, and concepts. So, Luke, 37, uh, Luke 7, 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And Jesus went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that Jesus was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. So we have three characters, three main characters right now. We have Jesus, a Pharisee, who we later learn is named Simon, and a woman referred as a woman of the city who was a sinner. This is the only thing that we know about her. So it seems that Simon and the woman seem both to be wanting to get something to Jesus. Usually if you invite someone uh, for a meal at your house, I guess it's because you want to bless them. You want to give something to them, spend time with them. You want to get to know them. So it appears that Simon wants to bless Jesus and wants to spend time with him. And um, at the same time, we have a woman who wants to give something to Jesus. As soon as she learns that Jesus is around, she goes to Simon's house and brings a gift. So we continue reading. And the woman, standing behind him as it, at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with, her hair, with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what, of, and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. So we have two people who want to give something to Jesus and who do something for Jesus, but we have two very different hearts. And I think it really shows that they are both worshipping something different. If I start with the woman, the woman is struck by the holiness of Jesus. She's not even standing in front of him that she starts weeping. And have you ever experienced crying in the presence of the Lord? Uh, I can tell you something. It's that it's good tears, if I can call them like that. So we might, um, she might have been um, struck by 
the fact that she's a sinner and that God is so perfect, but still it's good tear. It's an over, it's the overwhelming presence and goodness of Jesus. Um, so she's crying good tears while the Pharisee on the other hand is missing out the point. In Matthew 15, 7 tonight, Jesus described it well. He says about the Pharisee, you hypocrite, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, these people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as do doctrines the commandments of men. Pharisees worshiped the law, um, and everything that they did was very legalistic. It was very much about the law and the rules. Um, so he was completely blind that actually the Son of God was in his house. And Simon feels angry about uh, the fact that Jesus, who he calls later in the text, his teacher, he's upset that Jesus associates with a sinful woman because he worships the law. He worships what the law represents and not Jesus. So then we go on to verse 40. Jesus says, says to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. The certain money lender had two debtors. The one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the largest debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. So I said before that we worship God for who he is and not for what he does. And I believe that the woman was very grateful for having her debt pay, for being forgiven by Jesus. But she doesn't worship the salvation, she worships the Savior. And um, when we think about it, we might in our human knowledge or moral think that some sins are greater than others, but for God they are all the same. And we all have fall short of um, the glory of God. We all have sinned and we all deserve death. It, if it wasn't for Jesus, we would all deserve death. So we, in some way, we all should have like the same excitement. We all have been given life. We all have been given a purpose. And this is exciting, but it shouldn't be the only reason why we worship God. He's doing amazing stuff in our life, but we worship God for who he is. So carrying on, verse 44. Um, Jesus, then turning towards the woman, said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. So what this is talking about. Um, I think culturally speaking, when we invite someone in our house, there is rituals that we do. Um, like, I know that being French back home, when someone arrives in my house, we just kiss each other. Um, then I guess everybody does that. We take the coat of our guest and we just offer something to drink and put some snacks on the table and just try to make them comfortable and 
notice in England, I would always be offered a cup of tea. Um, I think this is what we have to do. And it's the same for the Greek culture. Wait, I need to move this. There is um, things that a host needs to provide to his guest. And um, at, that, at this time, people were often walking in sandals on filthy roads. And so washing your feet before a meal was very important. Tables were quite low and people would see your feet. Uh, they were very much in evidence. So you would provide a basin of water and a towel for your guests to wash their feet. Or if you were rich, you would actually have a servant doing this but it would be the lowliest of your servant who would wash the feet of your guest. As well, because Simon calls Jesus um, teacher, you would expect him to kiss him. Uh, it was just common custom, but people would kiss each other, to greet each other, to display affection, friendship. It's kind of like an, a handshake today. But Simon, as the host, does not know that. The woman, on the other hand, gives everything that she had. She bows down to Jesus. She worships him. She provides the missing water to wash Jesus' feet from her teeth, uh, from her tears. She was not ashamed of washing Jesus' feet and even goes on to kissing them. And, I mean, if people wouldn't wash somebody else's feet, I guess they wouldn't kiss um, somebody else's feet either. But she has no shame at all in expressing her love for Jesus. And she just presents herself as being very humble. She also uses her hair to just clean and wipe the feet like um, as something intimate. She, she's not ashamed of coming into the presence of Jesus and of sharing this time with him. So we carry on, on to verse 47. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sin? And he said to the woman, Your, sa your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Going to Jesus, the heart of the woman was not getting something from him, but it was giving something to him. It was giving something to God. But as I said before, we worship uh, God for who he is, and part of who he is is being a generous God. He's generous, and still, though she didn't come to, to get something from, him, from God, still he gave something to her. He's a generous God, and he gave of her a sense of love and acceptance. And um, getting something from God should never be the reason why we worship. It's not the heart of worship at all. But still, when we worship, we can experience amazing things. We can experience the fact of being loved, the fact of being overwhelmed by the goodness of Jesus. And when we just quickly kind of read the whole story, we might at first just think, well, the woman just, just washed Jesus' feet. She didn't do anything great. And Simon, on the other hand, um, had this big feast because he had many guests. Uh, he did many visible things. But 
they both had a very different heart and the woman was ver- was very sacrificial she gave from her heart um there is this other passage in the bible which talks about um i think it was pharisees they were giving offering they were very extravagant in their offering and what they were giving and they there and there is this old woman who only gives two coins and jesus says well she has given more than anybody else and as humans we are tempted to judge by the appearance but god looks at the heart and he looks at um the sacrifice that we are doing that we are doing so worship is basically um a desire to i will leave this here worship is a desire to give something to god worship is humble worship is sacrificial worship is devoted to god but above all thing it's driven by the fact that you want to give something to god and not receive thank you for listening to this week's podcast at center church one church passionately loving god and people in burgess hill and brighton to get the latest news or for any other information check out our website at www.centerchurch.uk